You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, the countdown continues to game day coming up on Saturday. Today's podcast, of course, brought to you by BuiltBar.com, our favorite protein bar in the market. You can go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Man, we're getting close, Ty, for North Carolina. And you know what? On you know ACC what? Network. Yeah. We still don't have a waiver decision on Chris Bleich. <laughs> yes. Chris Blake's waiver still in the abyss somewhere. I saw an Oklahoma State player got one, and that was floating around on Twitter. He, he applied when? August, August 22nd. 22nd. He, August 22. Yeah. And he's already heard. So that will continue to be a talking point that we have to bring up and just you know, take our shots at the NCAA to start each podcast until it happens. But we will get into Chris Blake's position group today. Also, in case anyone missed the big news that came out yesterday afternoon, our friend Matthew Gutierrez had a source that told him over at The Athletic that three more Syracuse football players are opting out. Two of them I think we definitely knew were coming. That's Abdul Adams, Jarvion Howard at the running back position. But the one that really does sting is Tyrell Richards, who was not on the two deep, is also now officially opting out, according to Goody's source there. So we've talked about that a little bit so far and how it seemed like that was coming for a while, especially at the running back position. So we don't have to get into that today, but obviously really stings because those are three of your most important players or what were supposed to be three of your most important players going into this season. Also, Goody mentioned Dakota Davis is out with an injury, and there's no word that he is opting out, but that's why he's not on the 2D. We also get to kind of the standout freshmen that we're eyeing who could really surprise some people this year in the later half of the show. But we begin today with the wide receiver and tight end positions, the pass catchers, as we wrap up our positional previews today. And not a ton coming back, I'd say, from this pass catchers group. Well, I guess not a ton coming back from the wide receiver group from last year. Let me just list out the depth chart, and we can kind of go from there, because now we have the luxury of looking at this depth chart, which we discussed all yesterday, so if you missed that discussion, go back and check it out. But on the wide receiver end, Taj Harris, the junior, who is actually down to 164 pounds, listed at now, is the returning wide receiver one. He is the only guy at the wide receiver position that brings back any sort of touchdown production from last year. Caught two touchdowns, that's it, because you lose Sean O'Reilly and Tristan Jackson. But you do have some tight end uh, touchdown catchers coming back that we'll get to. Nikeem Johnson is also a starter, and Anthony Queeley, who we talked about a little bit yesterday, is the third wide receiver one, so to speak. Backing them up, backing up Taj is Justin Barron, a 6'4 freshman, who we both really like, and a good call by you on the depth chart. You thought he might pop thank up. You, and thank you, thank you. Maybe, maybe a little surprising, but good to see a freshman up there. Sherrod Johnson and Courtney Jackson with an oar there are backing up Nikeem Johnson. And then Ed Hendricks, who we're waiting to get healthy and has been on a lot of people's radar for a while, is backing up Anthony Queerly. About how I thought the depth chart would be laid out, though, right? Well, the only thing that I thought we would see is... Ed Hendricks be the starter on that other outside receiver spot opposite of Taj Harris. But here's the question for me heading into this season. Is there a sleeper wide receiver that can lead the team in receiving in 2020? Oh, I'm glad you bring this up. I I had some fun with this. Let me me just... 
I have as well. But here's the here's the reason why I bring this up is because while I think Taj Harris does ultimately lead this team, we have seen a number of guys kind of boom even with little to no experience on this team. So who who do you have as a guy who could maybe emerge right away? So when I say I had some fun with this, uh, I did something that we love to do, and I made some fake Vegas odds for this. All target. right, so I'm gonna throw those these return, at by you the here. way on Friday's show. We're gonna have the prop shop. We got to do that again. Oh right, we could do yeah. like a season long so, prop shop. We'll, we'll we'll have some fun with it on Friday. Yeah, we we love to do fake odds on this podcast. So the fake odds for the question: Who will lead Syracuse in receptions in 2020? As you said, I think Taj Harris is the favorite. I'll just throw them at you, and then you chime in whenever you want. I put Taj Harris plus 100. Okay. So for so those even that money don't on know, that. Yep. yeah, that if you put down 10 bucks on that and Taj Harris leads the team in catching, and you're right, you get $10. If you put down 20 you get $20, so on and so forth. It's even money. Nikeem Johnson, I put second at plus 350. I think that's so that'd be correct. 10 to yep. win 35. Mm-hmm. Ed Hendricks, I put third, even though he's not starting, just because I was thinking if you're looking for a long shot, he has the highest ceiling. I put him at plus 550 in my fake odds. Okay. I tied him, though, with Aaron Hackett at plus 550. You think that's fair? For, this is most receptions, correct? Yes, m- not touchdowns, just okay. catches. I, I think you're a little high on Hackett, and this is coming from Aaron Hackett's number one fan, remember? Yes. <laughs> but I think you're a little high just because tight ends don't usually put up, I mean, even in the NFL, and especially I think so in college, I don't think tight ends put up those sort of numbers receiving-wise. The yards I won't agree. be there. I mean, a real productive season for Aaron Hackett this year, if he gave you 40 catches and got you like 500 to 600 yards. and yeah, then you 23 throw... catches last year for him, 205 yeah. yards. Yeah, so if he did that and then and then maybe you throw in nine touchdowns, that's like all-conference-level stuff out of Aaron Hackett if you yeah. can put up the stat line that I just spewed out to you. So that's why I'm not going to put him there. Because, again, we've seen multiple receivers have 100-catch uh, seasons in this Dino offense in the same season. So... Do I think that's the case this year? Absolutely not. I don't think there's no. two 100 yeah. catch guys. Now, could we see a couple 80 catch guys, maybe a couple 90 catch guys? Sure. I, well, definitely not 100 catch guys because of the, the shortened season. But if we were to prorate it and extrapolate, which is rule number one of what you don't do with statistics, but for the sake of the <laughs> argument, I, I'll use it right here. But no, I, I don't see guys who could get to that threshold if there was a, a full 12-game season, guys who could put up multiple 100 catch seasons but here's my guy that i've got as a or wait keep, keep going with your eyes i want to I hear the rest yeah of i've got three list. more guys and then i and then i stop because i think it's kind of foolish to keep going but mm-hmm. anthony Queeley, i said next plus 650 luke benson i put which to your point probably unlikely at plus 700 and then i tied him with jawar jordan plus 700 and the only reason i put jordan is because I do think, I mean, Moniel caught a ton of passes last year, at the, and so did Abdul Adams. There's a lot of catches to be had at the running back position in this offense. And, and, and it's worth noting, I don't used. think Marquenzie Pierre is going to be catching a lot of footballs no, for this team. Yeah. So I think they should go back to more screen passes this year, et cetera. And we've seen Jordan be used in the passing game some already, and we know he has that in his skill set. Okay, so the name that you said there that stands out to me, and Tim, you and I love a good dog. You and I love a good dog. (laughs) But that that name that stands out to me is Anthony Queeley. We have seen guys in this offense with little to no experience go out and boom. 
and that could be what Anthony Queeley is. Now, I think there's a name that you did leave off there that I would not be surprised. Well, I would be surprised, but I think would be worth the flyer on, and that would be a guy like Courtney Jackson because we've seen out of that slot position, that's where you can get a lot of receptions, and Courtney Jackson could be a guy. And again, that then you, I also kind of like Nikeem's odds at the plus 350 you laid out for me there. So I wouldn't count out the slot position, and here's why, because... I thought Nikeem Johnson was going to be great with Tommy, and this goes back to what happened in that UNC game. You've got that class of 2017 connection between the two of them, and I just thought it would be a relationship that had blossomed in practice, and then we'd eventually see it play out on the field. Nikeem Johnson was fantastic in 2018. 2019, he had 19 catches for under 100 yards. Under 100 yards for a guy that you thought could potentially lead the team in receiving that year. So, and, and no touchdowns to go along with that. He's 5'8", but he can go up and get a ball. He can do a lot of things for you in that slot position. He provides a long, deep threat, and he can also make cuts and, and be a possession receiver as well. So, I like Nikeem Johnson's skill set, but that slot position needs to rebound. And if it's not Nikeem Johnson, I think it's going to be a pretty short leash for when we could see Courtney Jackson emerge out of that slot position. He's listed as the or designation right now alongside Sherrod Johnson, but I think the or designation kind of helps Courtney Jackson more than it does Sherrod Johnson since Sherrod's been in the offense a little bit longer. But my guy that I think could be a sneaky play here on your fake odds that you listed out is Anthony Queeley because of the fact that he's getting that starting role. He's going to be opposite Taj Harris. Taj is going to see the majority of the coverage and the attention on offense Anthony Queeley bit of an unknown and we've seen unknowns work out pretty well for Syracuse at the receiver position yeah I mean I would probably bet Taj Harris I feel that confidently that he's ahead of the rest of them even though it's even money now if Taj were to get hurt or if there's a positive COVID or something like that obviously we we don't want that to happen but I do think there's a roadmap then for Queeley to get it so if we're actually seriously, you know, looking at this from a value perspective, I agree wholeheartedly with Queeley there. Nikeem is just so puzzling what happened last year. And, you know, the thing I mean, the same can be said about Taj, me, too. It's just you don't understand why there was such a dip in production for both of them. Yeah, well, but Taj, there was clearly not great chemistry there with DeVito, it seemed like. And... I hope, you know, based on what we've heard, that they fix that a little bit. It seems like they understand that that was a problem last year, and now they're trying to fix it. For Nikeem, it was like he just disappeared from the entire offensive game plan. And the part that concerns me even more is you go back to his game logs last year. He had 10 of his 19 catches on the season, which, again, 19 catches after catching 41 balls in 2018 and really his first full year as a receiving option. He had 19 catches. 10 of those 19 came in the first three games of the season. He did not have a game with multiple receptions after October 18th. So basically, after the midway point of the season, he actually dipped even more in production. So if you're trying to make the case like, oh, DeVito didn't have the offensive line to get to him. DeVito didn't have the chemistry with him. All that should have probably gone up because the offensive line, as we've talked about, and we're probably going to talk about in just a second here, they got better once they made some changes later in the season, but Nikeem's numbers never went up at all. Right, and with Nikeem too, even the three catches per game that he was averaging before that, when he had the 10 through the first three weeks, that's not good either. 
especially against yeah, some of the, no the really crappy too. opponents that you played against those first couple of weeks. So that's not promising as well. One other note, actually, I've got two quick notes I want to bring up, and then we'll move okay. on to the offensive line. But the tight end spot, you and I are both huge fans of what the Orange have in the tight end room. Whether it's Luke Benson or Aaron Hackett, you've got two guys who can do a lot of things for you in the red zone and beyond, really. I mean, Luke Benson, I think he's more of a possession receiver, but Aaron Hackett is one of the most valuable red zone options that this team has had in quite some time. And he looks like an NFL mold tight end and what the NFL tight end likes to do in the current era. Last year, this this group had nine touchdowns combined. Outside of Tristan Jackson, the wide receivers had three. And you kind of hit on that. And and the one of them was a 94-yard touchdown to Taj Harris. So that's a fluky yeah. play right there in <laughs> right. and of itself. So you're going to need to see a lot of production out of the tight end room. And remember, the red zone frustrations have been a thing that have boiled the past couple of seasons. And if Aaron Hackett and Luke Benson can alleviate some of that, that'd be huge for this team because they had 31 receptions last year. Pretty much every third reception was a touchdown for these guys. So you know where they make their dough. And I'm expecting to see a lot more of that and a lot more production out of these guys. And hopefully we'll see them also kind of thrive in the possession game as well. And from the running back standpoint, Monio was your fourth leading receiver a year ago. And this could be a really important thing without a stable offensive line, a lot more checkdowns. And Jawar Jordan, if you want a guy who Jawar Jordan reminds me of, and I'm not saying he's going to be this guy at the next level, but a guy who he reminds you of, and his playing style is a lot of LaShawn McCoy when he was with the Eagles. and Cuts on he, dimes. He cuts on the dime, just like uh, LaShawn McCoy with a Twitter handle and everything. But he had an 81-yard catch last season, and I'd expect a lot more explosive plays. He, he is the guy who's got the the explosive play potential in him. And we kind of talked about this too when we were previewing the running backs. He's a guy who, if you had to pick one guy for this Syracuse roster who's going to have a game where he scores three touchdowns, I'm picking Jawar Jordan. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think Hackett might be my pick to be the favorite to lead the team in touchdowns out of the skill position guys this year. Maybe I like Jordan. that too, yeah. Yeah, but... And Benson is right there, too. I think those guys are going to get a lot of touchdown production again, and I hope they look to them even more in the red zone. All right, we're going to get to the offensive line in just a second, Ty, where there are a lot of question marks, but no question mark right now as to what is the best-tasting protein bar on the market. That is, of course, Built Bar. It is somehow a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Great for the health-conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in this delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, High protein, but yet somehow high fiber. And they've got some new flavors. I know we're eagerly awaiting that box to come in because we don't just talk these built Bars up for nothing. They really are that good. No better way to reward yourself for a workout than with the help of built Bar. My personal favorite so far, the peanut butter brownie. Always a delectable treat. Once you finish pumping a little iron or you're going for a run or like Tim likes to do, go out on the golf course, maybe get a little <laughs> extra yardage on those drives because, hey, the, guess what? Those uh those dry courses they're running out Tim all right you're getting into the yeah. to the late stages of the golf season you're gonna need every ounce of, of strength to to get to those 300 yard drives that I know you like to pump out. Well, I told you I broke my driver the other day, right? You did, Just yeah. All those built bars, man. Maybe it was. I mean, Bryson's got his milkshakes. That's why he's breaking drivers. Maybe it's the built bars for me. So anyway, you can go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code locked on. You'll get $10 off your next order if you use our promo code 
Locked On at BuiltBar.com. All right, so now on the offensive line, which is is always kind of a question mark, oh boy. it seems like, these past two years. Yeah, we've, we've been putting this one off because we knew that the depth chart was going to be important. We knew that we might, we thought we might hear, and I guess that was foolish of us, we thought we might hear on Chris Blake's waiver. We have not, as of recording this here on Tuesday afternoon, but... We now know the depth chart. Left tackle Aaron Service, as expected. He's back. He started 37 straight games. That's the longest active streak of anyone on the team. Left guard is where it gets kind of fun. Chris Elmore, who, as we said yesterday, is now wearing number 63, which is kind of a bummer. We won't get a number five on the offensive line. He's backed up by Pat Davis, who backs up both guard spots. Carlos Vettorello back at center, where he succeeded after struggling a lot at the tackle spot as a redshirt sophomore this year. Joshi Lawa backs him up, and I think I'm not too concerned about the center position, but we can get into that. Right guard Darius Tisdale, again backed up by Pat Davis. And then Matthew Bergeron, who was phenomenal last year when he was called upon, a pro football focus All-American as a freshman. Give, you know, Just four freshman pro football focus ranks it, but a guy that I'm very confident will have a very, very solid career at Syracuse for four years. So depth chart-wise, the big, big question mark is obviously Elmore, and who knows if if he starts the game against UNC. I feel like with the number change, it's more likely that he is just the left guard right now, and he won that battle in camp. Right, but here's the thing with this offensive line. You bring up the, the starts for service, Aaron service, 37 starts. There's 54 starts on this offensive line. So outside of service, you're working (laughs) with 17. And again, one of the things that you were kind of feeling all right about heading into the offensive line season was the fact that there would be a little bit of more veteran feel to it. There really isn't. You've got a handful of starts from from Vettorello and, and then a handful from Matthew Bergeron. What are Darius Tisdale and Chris Elmore going to bring to the table to this team? And I, I, I don't know if you caught some of this, but Stephen Fonte um, of ESPN Syracuse and, and Channel 9 in Syracuse, he's had an interview with Dino Babers. I, I actually, I listened to um, Orange Nation. It was back on ESPN Syracuse today. So oh, I, yeah. I caught Good Seth Goldberg and, uh, and Stephen Fonte. Great work by both of them today uh, or yesterday on the show. But so Infante had a one-on-one sit-down with Dino, and when they were talking offensive line, Dino was very concerned. <laughs> you could tell he's he's not the highest on that group, and, and yeah. it's especially with the depth, too. He is not right. very <laughs> excited about the depth that he's got at offensive line. And again, part of that comes down to injury, because if this team was fully healthy on in the trenches, you'd probably feel a little bit better. I mean, David Hale, a guy who really breaks down the offensive line numbers for this team. He he ranked them fourth in the ACC in the preseason. Now, this was before he knew about the injuries and, and Chris Elmore. And we've seen a number of high-profile national writers say that this is a... They're just kind of make fun of the situation that you've got a fullback on your offensive line now. Yeah, and it's not good. <laughs> so, um, but no, this is a team that could have had a really good unit heading into this year. But now, I don't think so as much. On the injury front, I don't know about you, but I feel like the depth chart being released this week kind of confirmed to me that Chris Blyke is injured, and regardless of when we find out, if we find out, I guess is the better way to put it about this waiver, 
I don't think he would be ready to start right away because remember Dino said line men and, and made it seem like there were multiple injuries. We knew that Dakota Davis was recovering from an injury in camp. He's not listed on the two deep. I think we can assume it's because of injury, but there's really no other injuries unless it's like Kadir White, who wasn't mentioned at all in the two deep, but he wasn't mentioned in the spring either. And I, I feel like he did make it seem like it was starters potentially that have multiple injuries on the line. So I don't know. I mean, that that gets back to the depth conversation about this offensive line. That's where my real concern is. I like four of their five pieces in Veterello, Tisdale. It, actually, if it was Dakota Davis, I'd really like it because then you're returning four of your five. But even Tisdale, I'm fine with. Matthew Bergeron in service. Then there's just a giant question mark. But the bigger concern to me is if a service goes down. I mean, they've got Mark Petrie behind him right now, who is very undersized at the position, hasn't seen any significant snaps. Maybe you would go to an Anthony Red or a Kadir White, who is not listed on the two deep, who we have seen play some snaps here or there. But the tackle spots look good if the starters stay healthy. And I think you can really say that across the board for Syracuse this year, that they have concerns if injuries rear their ugly head. But the offensive line is very, very fragile. And that's exactly what David Hale has pointed out with these numbers, because he likes what Syracuse can bring as long as you've got Aaron Service, Carlos Vettorello, Dakota Davis, and Matthew Bergeron on the field, because last year... They were good together, but when one of them was off the field, you saw all of these numbers take a monster dive. I mean, the pressure happened 29% more of the time. The yards per drop back decreased by 16%. The yards before contact on rushing plays decreased by 44%. Your first down yards per rush decreased by 73%. So when you're missing one of these guys, it turns into a train wreck. And guess yeah. what? You're missing one of these guys. So it's going to be a very, very uphill climb with this group because when any one of them are not on the field, those numbers take an absolute nosedive. And that's going to be a real issue that I see with this unit. So you're going to have to see Dakota Davis out there at some point if this is going to be an effective offensive line. Yeah, hopefully we get some clarity on just how long he will be out. And and that's the thing that's the worrisome is, is what Dino has even said – with these offensive linemen and the injuries, again, he wouldn't disclose names, but he's not sure they're not they're going to be back until at least midseason. And by then, yeah. I mean, you might be 0 and 5, 1 and 4, 2 and 6, 2 and 5, yeah. like that <laughs> then you're out of it. Then then what's the point at that point of bringing a guy back? Right. Well, and that's what he said about Sam Heckel last year and now I mean, he never came back, and Sam Heckel is medically disqualified from the team now. So you lose him, Evan Adams. I guess you also lose Ryan Alexander, if, if you want to count him. as Addition as by subtraction. From this. Yeah, in, in a weird way, it probably is, unfortunately, given how that went. It but literally was anything at the end else of last year. On, yeah. No, I mean, that's yeah. all I got oh, yeah. on, this, on this unit. I, I'm concerned. The depth is concerning, and the numbers, when one of those guys are missing, are really, really troublesome. Yeah, and also the 10 sacks in the scrimmage, and then what you're saying about Dino talking about him. As I've said a lot, the way Dino talks about units, he's not going to hold back sometimes, and you can honestly read through the tea leaves pretty easily. And if you heard his interview today with Stephen Fonte and those guys, and he sounded concerned, that makes me concerned. Like, he's the type of coach that will tell it like it is. So 
We'll see. We'll see if Chris Elmore comes out at left guard on Saturday. I, I know for sure I'll be watching that very closely, that side of the field. And the first couple of plays, that'll be my focus as Syracuse trots out for the first time on Saturday against UNC. We'll also look for what freshmen are on the field on Saturday and what freshmen could maybe step up this season. We'll address that next. Okay, so every year, Syracuse football seems to have a couple standout freshmen, whether they are true freshmen, redshirt freshmen, etc. And this year, they're going to need a lot of them because just given how this depth chart is laid out, it is really record-shattering in terms of the Dino era. How many freshmen, how many redshirt freshmen are listed on this depth chart all the way across the board? Obviously, a couple guys are listed multiple times, but... Ty, I mean, that was one of our main takeaways when we saw the step chart. And now the question kind of becomes, who are some of the guys that we're eyeing that we think could exceed expectations, could be those sleeper-like players that helped make that 2018 team, which again was not supposed to be very good at this point when we were in the preseason. And that 2018 team got a lot of help from sleeper caliber players. So who do you see that could step up and kind of be one of those from the freshman group? So I listed three names. I don't know how many you've got, but we can maybe go back and forth here on the order. But I think the first name, and it's kind of an easy one to pick from, and he's already had a couple plays on the field as a, a red shirt or when he was a true freshman and now he's a redshirt freshman, but it's clearly Jawar Jordan. And this is a guy yeah. who's going to be a bell cow at running back, it appears like. It seems like he's going to be a guy who, as long as it's not a short yardage situation, he is going to be on the field, and I'm cool with that. He's a guy who can make a lot of plays for you. He can make guys miss. I saw uh, a big thing come out of, I think it was from ESPN, of guys who are breaking tackles, and Jawar Jordan's name isn't on there, but it's a name that could be on there because he is so shifty in both the rushing game and in the passing game as well that he could be a guy who... I'm not going to say can can lead the the ACC in rushing because that that's obviously naive, but he's a guy who I think he's going to make a lot of guys miss this year. And the numbers may not back it up because the offensive line, line play might be a little bit suspect, but I could see him as maybe uh, leading the ACC in missed tackles or being in like the top three because that's the type of player that he is and that's the quickness that he possesses. Yeah, he's the obvious one for me. I would say defensively, are your other guys on the defensive side of the I've ball? I've got one more on offense more? and then one more on defense. Okay, for me, I think the obvious ones on defense are the two guys listed at one of the linebacker spots right now, and Stephon Thompson and Steve Linton. Whoever really rises to the occasion and claims that throne, because I thought it was going to be Linton, and we've talked about how we think he's going to be a breakout candidate. But I love what we're seeing here from Thompson. It seems like they were very, very high on him as a staff once he did sign. And he's a guy from North Carolina who played against a lot of good competition in high school. And it looks like he's impressed them in the camp for sure. As a true freshman, to gain a starting spot speaks volumes. So I would say those two guys at linebacker, and then I probably have a couple others I'd mention in the secondary. But who's your other guy on offense? So my other guy on offense, I've got Justin Barron. And just the way yeah. that Dino has spoken about these freshman receivers, he, he's been glowing about the freshman receivers, but I think the major endorsement is Justin Barron. And you see him line up on that two deep for the offense. And 
I'm not expecting him to have a Taj-like season when Taj was a freshman and break the, the freshman receiving record. But this is a guy, if he can give you 30 to 35 catches this year, okay, then you know you've got something there. Or even, again, because it's a shortened season, 25 to 30 catches, I think, yeah. would be a super successful year for a guy like Barron. And just to get some of that experience under your belt. And I, I like his skill set, especially on the outside. Athletic dude, he can go up make a play for you at six foot four. He could be a valuable guy in the red zone too. We talk about the tight ends, but how about a guy like Justin Barron? I think you feel pretty confident throwing the ball up to him as well, especially if you're Tommy DeVito. Yeah. Another true freshman, not listed on the depth chart, Damian Alford, kind of similar, got a tall skill set that I think could really make his way onto the roster and make some catches. Also Courtney Jackson, I kind of forget personally, he's still a redshirt freshman. Correct. Technically, yep. He mm-hmm. did make one catch last year, but He's constantly, I think he's had the most or designations of any player on the roster. He's always been listed as the or wide receiver, which I I think says something about how the coaches feel about him. But defensively, I would say I've always been very high on Neil Nunn. I'm a little concerned that he hasn't cracked the starting lineup, whether it was at safety or cornerback. But the guy that seems to be the starter right now, at least on this two deep how it's listed, Garrett Williams, Another redshirt freshman who's in that same class as none. Another guy from North Carolina that I think is a very physical corner, played against good competition in high school, and I would look for him to maybe be a breakout candidate this year. Look at you, scouting out all the North Carolina guys, all right? I you, know. Your I nickname know. for the rest <laughs> of this podcast, and until the, the week is over, is officially Tar Heel Tim, because you're born oh, and you raised a, a Carolina guy. You UNC. Yep, no, Come on. You are Tar Heel Tim for the rest of the week. But no, Garrett Williams was the guy who I had on my my other impact freshman on the defensive side of the ball. because, And I kind of highlighted this yesterday when we were talking about the, the depth chart impressions, but the, the notion to give him the starting job at the cornerback spot, I think is more of an endorsement for him than an indictment on the rest of the secondary where they need to fill holes. I think they have a lot of confidence in this guy, and they would probably just throw Trill Williams there if if they were really not confident in Garrett Williams because you're going to face a lot of really talented receivers in the ACC, and they would not be putting this guy on an island. Now, watch week one because he's going to get picked on all day long by Sam Howell. How does he respond to that challenge? Because we saw, remember that UNC game when, when Syracuse made the epic comeback in 2018? You bring in Ify Melfonwu because I think it was Chris Frederick got hurt in the game or maybe it was Scoop Bradshaw. I can't remember who it was, but someone got hurt in that game. That brought Ify into the game. He got targeted all game long and he ended the game with four pass breakups. So watch Garrett Williams week one. He's the guy that I'm going to have my eye on the entire time defensively. Forget the linebackers, forget everything else. I want to see what Garrett Williams does against a guy who, quite frankly, is going to be in Heisman contention in Sam Howell. And he's going to have to go up against some talented receivers on the outside as well. Yeah, we always bring up that UNC game. And I was just thinking, this will be the, it's kind of weird that we play UNC, usually only play them once every six years. And now here they are going to play them again. And I don't know, hopefully, obviously, given what the context is going in this time, hopefully it's as close of a game as as last time because that was probably one of the more thrilling games in in recent memory for Syracuse football. And it's fun when your team wins, too, but just the whole DeVito comes in, the heroics, the overtime, Ravion Pierce, that was 
such a big game for keeping that season alive too. Yeah, but I mean, the the folks in the desert aren't too uh, too privy yeah. to this being a close <laughs> game. Twenty two points is the line that that I last saw, and we can we'll dive into the line a little bit more. Yeah, I did see that is the highest spread UNC or the most UNC has been favored against another FBS team since like 2012 against Maryland or something like ah, that. Ah, yes, so, I did see that. Mm-hmm. From the yeah, Bear, right? Not, Chris Felica? Maybe, yeah. I believe it was from I, the I Bear. I can't remember who it came from. But All right, well, that kind of wraps up our positional preview portion of getting you guys ready for football season. Tomorrow on the show, we're just going to put our money where our mouth is and really try and make some picks here. Give our full record prediction, where Syracuse will finish in the ACC standings. We'll get to some of your feedback because we put out some different stuff on Twitter at our page at LO underscore Syracuse. Yeah, if you've got questions for us. Yeah, right. We we put out uh, something asking for your questions heading into the 2020 season. So we will answer the best ones that we get for we'll get to them at some point during the week, but yeah, we, there's right. a lot of burning questions about this Syracuse team. And we, we want to know what your questions are too, because we might have some thoughts on them. Yeah. So definitely tweeted us with any thoughts as we get you guys ready for that first game on Saturday. We'll also make some bold predictions tomorrow and, and have some fun with that probably in the latter half of the show, but Thursday and Friday will be more general season on Thursday. And then Friday will be, Everything UNC, getting you ready for that matchup and probably where we fall on what the spread will end up sticking at, which right now I think, as you said, is 22 points, which is, is kind of scary that that's, that's game one, but it is a top 25 UNC team on the road. So anyway, that'll do it for today's Wednesday edition. Thanks so much for listening. As always, for Tyler, I'm Tim, and we'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Oh.